0: Uh, We are in the middle of a sermon series about camp. And so today we're going to talk about the bus ride home. It's the last week of our series about camp. We've been doing some throwback worship songs from the 90s, which I've loved because that was my jam back in the day. And if you've ever been to camp, camp is this amazing thing because you get away from this culture, you get away from your lives, you get away from whatever's going on. And you have this moment to experience God. We see it in scripture, that Moses gets away from everybody. And on Mount Sinai, he experiences God. But at some point, you have to come down from the mountain. And having done a lot of youth camps and kids camps, you see that same thing happen. People go to camp and they get fired up for God. They spend every morning reading scripture and in Bible studies and in worship. And and by the time they're headed home, they're like, just give me a a water pistol. I'm ready to take on hell. Woo! Spirit sprinkles, Jesus fuzzies. I mean, it's just all the feels. But at some point, you have to get back on the bus. You got to go home. And then what happens next? In my life, I've lived through quite a few fads. Uh, probably if you can think right now, there's, there's different fads that happen with style, with clothing, there's fads that happen with toys, there's fads that happen with technology. Now because of social media, there's all kinds of trending fads that are, are social media challenges. I've got a few that I brought. A current fad that exists right now are these things right here. They're poppers, push poppers. Uh, They did not exist a few years ago, and now they're everywhere. If you have a kid, they've got a popper everywhere. My daughter has a lunchbox that is filled with poppers on the side of it. A few years from now, they won't even exist anymore. That's just what happens. And here's how I know that. Because a few years ago, there was a very popular toy called a fidget spinner. And I I couldn't tell you the last time I've seen a fidget spinner, but man, for a little while, everybody had one of those things, and we're spinning them not stop. If you're a teacher, you hated fidget spinners because every kid in your room. Just bzz, bzz, bzz. There's also uh, th- this idea that I-, I think older people are looking at that and they're like, those are just silly fads. I, I never had a dumb fad like that when I was a kid. Uh, and I- I'm too young to remember this, but for those of you that-, that-, that do remember, at one point there was a fad where people paid for a rock. And... I don't understand that, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I've had people try and explain it to me, that no, it was a special rock, you had to have the rock, and I'm like, wait, why didn't you just go get a rock from your backyard and just put some smiley faces on it and then you're good, and then no, 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 you don't understand, you weren't there, and I don't understand. So for those of you that owned a pet rock, I'm not gonna shame you. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, um, but you know who you are, and that was a fad. Not a very intelligent fad, but it was a fad, and we have moved past it. Uh, there's a social media fad a few years ago, if you, if you remember, uh, it was called planking. It looked like this. And people would basically just form a plank in really weird random places, on the ground, on a table, on a wall, on a basketball goal. It makes no sense. I couldn't tell you the last time someone planked on social media, but man, about 10 years ago, it was everywhere. And then my favorite, this is a style one when I was in junior high. Uh, some of you are gonna be too old to remember this. Some of you are gonna be too young to remember this. But for those of you right in the middle, when I was in junior high, these jeans were all the rage. <laughs> and, and some fads, you're like, you look back and you say, that, that was pretty cool, that style might come back. Other fads, you're like, praise the Lord, that will never come back <laughs> and ever exist again. And so a fad is here for a moment, it's excited, and then it's gone. How then? When we have spiritual moments in life, whether it's going to camp or maybe you come to church or maybe you go to a Bible study and you get excited about Jesus, you get excited about your walk, you get excited about the gospel, how do we make sure that it's not just a fad? How do we make sure that it lasts for a duration, for the long haul, for the rest of your life? If you've got a Bible, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Uh, We're gonna look at one of the themes that kind of goes throughout the entire book of Hebrews. Hebrews, we will start in chapter two. We'll look at verse one. Chapter one of Hebrews is all about Jesus. It's all about really setting the table. There's no instructions of do this or don't, don't do this. The whole chapter is saying Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. Jesus is above the angels. Jesus was there at the foundation, the creation of the earth. And so that's the whole setup of chapter one. And then in chapter two, verse one, it says, so, or in your your version it might have, therefore. So it's saying, because Jesus is God, the Messiah, with that as the foundation, because of that, therefore, so, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. It's and we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, focused on the Word of God. And if we're not careful, we can drift away. That word drift in the Greek is an interesting word. Uh, I have a hard time pronouncing it because I can't roll my R's. Anybody else in the room can't roll your R's? Yeah. Um, in Texas, I took like 12 years of Spanish and I still can't speak Spanish, mainly because I can't roll my R's. Uh, so the, the word is uh, parareo. And really in Greek, what it means is floating aimlessly on the surface of the water. My wife took our kids the other day to Chatfield Park and they got some kayaks and they also got a paddleboard. And our youngest one, younger ones, they go out on a paddleboard or a kayak and not really understand how to get back. And so what happens if you're on a kayak or a paddleboard and you don't really understand the basic understanding of it. Like if you just keep paddling on one side, you're just spinning around in a circle, spinning around a circle, spinning around in a circle. And sometimes there'd be a current and they couldn't get back by themselves. And so my wife came back and she was sore because she was basically dragging around their stuff the whole time. But if you go out onto a lake and you're on a paddleboard and you don't paddle, you are going to drift aimlessly wherever the wind might take you, wherever the water might take you. So the writer, the author of Hebrews is giving us this picture to say that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, we have to focus on Jesus, we have to be pursuing Jesus so that we don't drift. Relationships tend to drift. And you don't think that when you're young. You probably have some high school friends that you were really close friends with in high school that you probably don't ever talk to anymore. Maybe you look at a picture on Facebook but you don't have a relationship. Now if you told high school you that, you'd say, "No, we're going to be besties forever. We're so tight." But if that relationship doesn't continue to be nurtured, it's going to drift. The relationship you have with your spouse, you are either nurturing that relationship or oftentimes those relationships can drift. The relationship you have with your family, whether it's your parents or your kids or your siblings, you're either growing that relationship, or it is drifting apart. And our relationship with God works the same way, that we are either pursuing God, we're nurturing our relationship with Him, or we are drifting. And so we have these certain moments in life that we have spiritual experiences. You go to a service, you go to a camp, you go to a Bible setting, you just get excited for God. Uh, I've got an object lesson that I've done quite a few times, and it's, it's really simple. Uh, on the top is, Oil on the bottom is just water. I put blue food coloring so it's easier to see, but it's just oil and water. And, and as we all know, oil and water do not mix. And so you can turn it any which way and they stay apart from each other. Uh, but what's interesting about oil and water is if you shake it up enough, although from a molecular level they won't mix, it will give the appearance that they do. So you shake it hard enough and the yellow and the blue start mixing together and all of a sudden you have a really cool looking turquoise. And so sometimes what happens spiritually with us is we have these moments in life where we feel really, really close to God. We went to camp, we went to a service, and woo! But you know what happens the moment that I put down? The water and the oil. That instantly, they start to separate and back away from each other. And it only takes about a minute before the oil's back on top and the water's back on the bottom. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. We're in a broken world, we're in a sinful world. We are born with a sinful nature. When we become a Christian through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have a relationship with God. And yet scripture over and over and over again, we'll see in the Hebrews, says that we have to be pursuing that relationship. The author of James in chapter four, verse eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So it's this idea that we are constantly pursuing God. And what happens when we stop the pursuit is we begin to drift. And before we know it, we've got that separation. That closeness is gone. So what's the answer that Hebrews gives us? I flip the page to chapter three, verse one. They say, therefore, holy brothers, you must share in the heavenly calling. And then he says, consider Jesus. It's It's just this expression in the Greek that we are supposed to turn our eyes and look and consider Jesus, focus on Jesus. You see this theme hit really hard in chapter 12. Chapter 12, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, chapter 11 is all about the hall of faith, heroes of the faith from Scripture, And it's saying, since we have so many that have gone before us, that have done amazing things for the faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which so easily clings us closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's saying the way that we run this race is that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. The way I prevent myself from drifting off to the side is through my eyesight, my intentionality, my focus. And then he goes on later on in chapter 12 to say this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That discipline in the moment is never fun. When you are disciplining someone or you are being disciplined by someone, those are not warm, fuzzy moments in your life. And yet, if you truly love someone, When you are the authority over them, you will discipline them. If you have kids and you never discipline your kids, it's the worst thing you can do for them. That with kids, you have a destination in mind that you wanna raise your kids up to be a a man or a woman of God. But if you want them to ever get there, you have to create boundaries and barriers and training. It requires discipline. At some point in life, most discipline comes down to you of do you have discipline in your life or not, that you have the power in your life to choose to do something or not to do something, and it's your discipline that is allowing you to make those decisions, or it is your discipline or lack of discipline that's preventing you from making those decisions. So at the moment, discipline is painful, but it's bringing about fruit. He says, therefore. Lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. There's three disciplines I wanna talk about really briefly. Now there's nothing that's gonna be earth chattering about these three disciplines. Yeah, you're gonna see all three and probably you could have come up with the list yourself. And yet these are the three things that if we're gonna keep our eyes focused on Jesus, if we're gonna prevent ourselves from drifting away, these are the things that have to be a part of my life. Three disciplines, number one is prayer, number two is scripture, number three is community. That prayer is a discipline in my life that helps me in my mind stay focused on Jesus. It's exactly what Paul was talking about in Philippians to focus on those things that are holy, that are pleasing to God, that are worthy, that are excellent. That if I can train my mind the right way, it helps me to focus on him instead of drifting. Now we live in a world that's very busy. You have so many things that are distracting you. And oftentimes people say, well, I don't have time for blank. But that really isn't true. And the reason I know it's not true is because every year Netflix puts out a End of the year statement of how many hours Americans have watched Netflix, and it's insane. And your cell phone, if you, if you turn it on, we'll tell you how many hours a day you average on your cell phone. We didn't have smartphones 20 years ago, and now we spend six hours a day on them. Like, where did that time come from? Well, it came from things like prayer. That either I will choose to make something a priority in my life, and I will discipline myself to make sure that it happens or it doesn't happen. But prayer is the best thing you can do to prepare yourself for challenging and difficult situations. That it sets your heart, your mind on the right path to prevent you from drifting so that when you do hit those obstacles, you're prepared for those obstacles. It's a discipline. That's why Jesus so often is setting an example for us by getting away from the busyness of his life and spending a time alone in prayer. Second thing is scripture. That if we don't want to drift, we need to spend time understanding God's word. That if you are a Christian, then the Bible is the authority that exists over us. Culture is going to shift and change. That the morals that exist today in our culture are very different than the morals that exist for almost any other country around the world. As a matter of fact, the morals that exist in our culture today are very different than the morals that existed in our culture 10 years ago, especially 50 years ago. And can I tell you that the morals that exist in our culture today are different than the morals that will be in our culture 10 years from now? And so either I'm just moving with whatever culture tells me is right and wrong, or I say, as a Christian, I submit myself, I humble myself underneath the authority of God's scripture. But the only way I can humble myself underneath the authority of God's scripture is to know God's scripture. I need to know what it says is right and what it says is wrong and how it calls me to live and the way in which it calls me to live. God's scripture isn't about just being, understanding what is right. It's understanding how then to live that out to the world around me, the attitudes that I have. If I have all kinds of head knowledge about scripture, but I don't have the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, then I'm not living out the lifestyle that God has called me to live. Last thing is community. if you want to have discipline in your life, you need to choose to find community to walk alongside with to make sure you have that discipline. You ever had a day where you were meeting with people and you're talking with people, maybe you had some different meetings, and then all of a sudden, Uh, you go in to wash your hands, you go to the bathroom and you look in the mirror and right in the middle of your teeth is a piece of broccoli, maybe a piece of spinach. And I mean, it's, it's not like on the side, it's like right there, like you can't miss it. And then instantly, what do you do? You think back and you say, gosh, I've been talking to so many people. I've been having all kinds of conversations. And then eventually you get frustrated. You say, why didn't somebody say, hey, you've got a piece of spinach right there in the middle of your face. Maybe you should wipe that off. The most uncaring thing you could do to someone is say, oh, I would feel awkward and impolite to let them know that they have spinach in their teeth, and so I'm not gonna say anything. No, if you have a true friend, someone that really loves you, they will tell you when you have spinach in your teeth. Your spouse, I promise, will tell you when you have spinach, it'll be, hey, you got something. Nope, not there, no, a little bit. There you go, you got it. Community is the same way. Community spiritually is helping you know when you are starting to drift. You need people in your life that know you well enough, love you well enough, care for you enough that you have given permission to speak truth in your life so that if you ever spiritually start to drift, they can say, hey, you spiritually, you got something in your teeth. You need to fix that. You need to stop that. I'm worried about you. And out of love, I'm trying to bring you back. That you're not floating away, but instead your eyes are focused on the prize. That you can run this race with me that God has called us as the body of Christ to run to live out the gospel each and every day. You see, if you just drift, what is going to happen in your life is you're gonna drift away from God just like oil and water slowly separate. And so how do you keep the oil and the water together? You just have to keep shaking. And you have to keep shaking. And you have to keep shaking. And you don't stop shaking. And if you get so tired that you can't shake, you need somebody else in your life that can pick it up and keep on shaking. Because the moment that you stop pursuing Jesus, the moment that you take your eyes off of Jesus, what's gonna happen? Drift. Drift. There's a beautiful quote by Henry Ward Beecher. He says, young love is a flame, very pretty, often very hot and fierce, but still only light and flickering. The love of the older and disciplined heart is as coals, deep burning, unquenchable. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would convict those of us in the room who are adrift. God, that we are either pursuing you with our eyes on you, actively going in the direction of your will and your plan for our life, or we are drifting away from it. There's no middle ground. And so, God, help us as a church to make these disciplines a part of our life. Help us to be a people who pray, even when it's hard to spend time with you. Help us to be a people who spend time in your Word, memorizing your Word, knowing your Word, God, help us to be a people who discipline ourselves to find community, to be in community. You did not create us to do this alone. in Proverb 27, you say that as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Help us to sharpen one another. It's not comfortable, it's not fun, but a dull blade is worthless. God, help us to sharpen ourselves, surround ourselves with community that encourages one another so that we might be sharp and we might be tools for you and for your kingdom. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.